If you could turn um, in your Bibles to First Chronicles 28 and 9. First Chronicles 28 and 9. And then if you've got that, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. And we'll be reading from verse 9. Just to keep it interesting, Old Testament and New Testament. So that's 1 Chronicles 28 and 9 and 2 Corinthians 7, reading from verse 9. 1 Chronicles 28 and 9, and this is David speaking. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee, but if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. And 2 Corinthians chapter 7. In verse 9 and 10, we'll be reading. Now I rejoice, and this is Paul speaking. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. You were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye may receive, that ye may, might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. With the help of the Lord tonight, I've titled my message, Sorry, Not Sorry. Lord Jesus, just ask, Lord God, for your hand upon me this evening. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you will enable me to preach what you have laid on my heart. I ask, Lord God, that you, O Lord Jesus, would be seen, O Lord, and that I would hide in you. Oh God, I ask, O Lord Jesus, that the hearts of your people, Lord, would be open to your word, O Lord Jesus, and that it would go forth and find good ground, and that it would bring forth much fruit. Lord Jesus, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, not sorry. The word sorry is used to express an apology. An apology is a regretful acknowledgement of an offence or failure and is usually motivated by repentance and the need to make things right. The phrase, sorry not sorry, is not an apology, but an expression that acknowledges a trespass with no feeling of regret for the offence or failure. The phrase was first used in a song released in 1994 called Sorry Not Sorry by an, an alternate metal band. I didn't bother naming the band because I didn't know too many people that were into alternate metal bands. However, it became popular in 2011 on Twitter um, and is usually accompanied by a hashtag, hashtag Sorry Not Sorry, and is often used in a sarcastic or humorous manner. Sister Sophia. Sorry, not sorry. Next slide. These are just examples. Sorry for the awful, mean, accurate things I said. Next slide. Sorry I'm late. I didn't want to come. I'm not sorry that I unfriended you. And contrary to what your friends might tell you to comfort you, it's not my loss. Sit down. Let me tell you a story. 
Once upon a time, I ate your hamster this morning. And what's that? You hate stupid puns? My apologies. Since the fall of man, it's been God's desire that mankind would repent. That they would cease from walking in the way that seems right to them and change direction and walk in the ways of God. The change of direction not only acknowledges that they were wrong, but it implies a sorrow and a remorse for doing wrong and a desire to change. Repentance is an essential part in the process of salvation. Not only is it the first key that unlocks the door to enter the kingdom of God, as preached by Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.38, as preached by the apostles wherever they went and referred to in the letters written to the churches, but it is a reoccurring activity in the life that intends to stay saved. Once saved, always saved is a lie. You can lose your salvation. And just as salvation is dependent on a repentant heart, being unrepentant sets you on a path that leads away from God and away from the salvation of your soul, regardless of your past experiences with Him. Repentance is more than, acknowledge, more than an acknowledgement of doing wrong. Repentance indicates regret, shame, and sorrow for doing that wrong. And it, and it has a, a desire to change and to make things right. It's an about face. It's a change of direction, of mind, and of purpose. Sorry, not sorry is really no laughing matter. And it carries with it eternal consequences. The Word of God is studded with examples of this attitude. Sorry, not sorry. And the consequences suffered by those who adopted that attitude. Cain was raised by God-fearing parents. He went to church. And he was mentored in the things of God by a man who knew what it was to walk with God and to hear the voice of God intimately. However, he did not carry the same awareness of his sin as his parents and his brother. All Cain's life he was aware of God. And Adam and Eve led by example and taught their children the ways of God. And like all parents, they endeavoured to teach them the lessons that they had learned from their own mistakes in hope that they would save the children, save their children from making the same mistakes. They would have taught them the importance of honouring God by their obedience. Cain had heard about the garden. He had heard about the nearness of the voice of God. And he had heard how they were expelled from the garden for their disobedience. He had heard... And he had watched. He had watched how his parents worshipped. He had watched his father slaughter innocent animals and listened as his father explained the need for the shedding of blood to remit their sin. He listened as his father gave thanks to God, the creator and provider of all things. He listened as his father honoured God for his mercy in providing them a way to approach him who was holy and just. Adam and Eve would have taught their children the importance and the need for repentance. Sin and death had gripped humanity and separated them from God. The only way to have access to God was through a sin offering. The wages of sin is death, Romans tells us, and the life of an animal would be given in the place of their own. 
its blood would be shed to make atonement for their sins. The offering was, the offering was to be given in an attitude of reverence and repentance. In the process of time, Genesis 4 tells us that both Cain and Abel were to bring their offerings unto God. They had grown up to young men and were now required to worship in their own right. It was time to put into practice all that they had heard and learned. Cain brought his offering unto the Lord and Abel brought his offering unto the Lord. Cain was a farmer and he bought of the fruit of the ground and offered it unto the Lord. And Abel was a keeper of flocks and he offered the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof. Genesis tells us that the Lord had respect or that he accepted Abel's offering, but he didn't accept Cain's. Even though Cain brought what seemed obvious for a farmer to bring, his offering showed his lack of sin consciousness. His approach to God was on his own terms and not in the terms of which he'd been taught. Yes, Cain had faith and was a worshipper of God. In that, he recognized him as the creator and provider. But there was an absence of his recognition of the holiness of God and his own need for God's mercy and redemption. And instead of changing his approach to God, Cain got mad. God, already knowing Cain's heart, still reached out to him and warned him of the danger ahead if he did not change the direction in which he was heading. Genesis 4 and 7 from the Amplified Bible says it this way, If you do well, believing me and doing what is acceptable and pleasing to me, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, but ignore my instruction, sin crouches at your door. Its desire is for you to overpower you, but you must master it. Unfortunately, Cain chose to ignore the instruction and warning given to him directly from God. His anger towards God and his brother overwhelms him and he kills his brother. God already knew what had taken place and he searched Cain's heart. He had searched Cain's heart and he knew the imaginations of his thoughts. Yet he seeks Cain out and gives him the opportunity to repent. If you seek me, Cain, I will be found of thee. But if you forsake me, you'll be cast out forever. He asks Cain, where's your brother? Cain rejects the outstretched arm of God and lies in response with no regard of the consequences. Sorry, not sorry. As a result, Cain is cast out from the presence of the Lord. He is cursed. The ground which he tills will no longer yield as it once did, and he will roam aimlessly in perpetual exile without a home, a degraded outcast. Cain is sorry for the consequences of his sin. My punishment is greater than I can bear, but not sorry for the actions that brought it upon him. Esau was sorry, not sorry. He sold his birthright to his younger brother for a bowl of lentils. According to the Eastern's Bible Dictionary, the birthright denotes the special privileges and advantages belonging to the firstborn son. 
he would become the priest of the family, the patriarch. The firstborn son was allotted a double portion of the parental inheritance and inherited, and inherited any judicial authority his father had, whatever that was. In an impulsive moment, Esau sold his portion and status in the family to satisfy his hunger. What good would a birthright do him if he should die of hunger? However, Esau also knew that even though he may not have the birthright, he would have the blessing of the father that is bestowed on the firstborn and God would honor that blessing. So regardless of the birthright, he would still be blessed. Sorry, about, but not sorry about the birthright. For Esau, there was more value in the blessing than the privilege of the birthright. And this is true for many today who claim to be Christians. They're happy to come to church once a week, whenever, receive a blessing from the Father, content to feel his, his hand on their life for the blessing and the promise, promises of good to be spoken over them. However, when it comes to the birthright and the commitment and the responsibility to the household of God, they leave it as Esau did. We believe in God, but this commitment stuff, hey, there's no need to go overboard. Esau's sorry, not sorry attitude about the birthright not only gives us a glimpse of the hardness of his heart, but also the value he placed on the matters of God. Although the birthright was very much a physical thing, it also carried with its spiritual significance. Isaac seems to be unaware of the transaction between the brothers. However, Rebecca was fully aware and understood not only the importance of the birthright, but also that the blessing was necessary to establish and confirm the one who held the birthright, and that had been given to Jacob. So when Isaac got ready to pass on the blessing to his firstborn son, Rebekah flew into action to secure it for Jacob. Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, and felt it was time to bless his firstborn son, as he did not know how much longer he had to live. He sent Esau out to hunt the venison and prepare it just like I like it, boy. You know how that is. And then you could bring it in and I'll have it and then I'll bless you before I die. And Rebecca hustled Jacob into action. The plan was to cook kid goats in such a way that would taste like Esau's venison. Rebekah then took a cloak that belonged to Esau and placed it upon Jacob. Esau was hairy and Jacob wasn't. So she puts the goat skins on Jacob's hands and on the back of his neck. And she gives the savory meat to Jacob and sent him in to see his father. Isaac wasn't expecting that Esau would be back so quickly. So he was a little surprised and even suspicious when Jacob came into the room claiming to be Esau. Isaac asked Jacob to come near him so that he could discern whether it really was Esau. And Jacob came near to his father and he felt his hands. And he said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And because the hands were hairy, Isaac ate the savory meat Rebekah had prepared, prepared and bestowed the blessing of the firstborn upon Jacob. Jacob had barely left his father's room when Esau came in with the venison. There was a moment of confusion as both parties figured out that the wrong son had been blessed and he would be blessed indeed. And when Esau heard that the blessing could not be revoked, he cried out and wept bitterly. 
he realized too late the importance of what he had lost. Esau begged and pleaded with his father to take back the blessing that was bestowed on his brother, but he could not. His dismissive attitude towards the birthright cost him his blessing. Sorry, not sorry turned into bitter tears and regret that he sought and regret though he sought repentance and couldn't find it. Esau failed to understand the significance of the birthright until he lost the blessing. Only now it was too late and there was no way to make it right and to change what had been done. Saul is the man God chooses to become the first king of Israel. He is chosen for his humility. However, two years into his reign, his humility disappears and is replaced with a sorry, not sorry attitude. He forgot that his prime responsibility as king was to heed the voice and commands of God through the prophet Samuel. Saul was just a figurehead. He was not called to call the shots. When Samuel delayed in coming to offer sacrifice before, before Israel was to go into battle with the Philistines, Saul took matters into his own hands. He had waited seven days for Samuel to show up and he couldn't wait a moment longer. So he stood in Samuel's place. And as soon as he had made an end of the offering, the burnt offering, Samuel shows up. When confronted by Samuel, Saul, Saul is not contrite about what he did. In fact, he justifies his actions. Sorry, not sorry. Yes, I acknowledge I stepped over the line, but something had to be done. The people were scattered from me. You hadn't shown up and the Philistines were coming. I couldn't go to battle without making supplication unto the Lord. First Samuel 13, verses 13 and 14. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Samuel's rebuke did not even move Saul to repentance. He did not, Saul did not seek to change his ways, nor the direction of his leadership. There was no sign of remorse for the action he had taken. Sorry, but you didn't arrive in time. Not sorry, something had to be done. The consequences of, an unrepented heart, of his unrepentant heart were not immediate. The kingdom prospered. Samuel seemed to forget what happened, and Saul certainly did. Everything seemed to be going along nicely. However, God did not forget, and neither had Samuel forgotten Saul's foolishness. God searched Saul's heart and understood the imaginations of his thoughts. Saul was given the chance to seek God and be found of him, but he chose to forsake the voice of God and be cast off forever. We see this 13 years later when Saul is given another chance to prove his loyalty and obedience to God. Saul is given the instruction to action the judgment of God promised 400 years prior on the nation of Amalek for their cruelty towards the children of Israel when they had come out of Egypt. 1 Samuel 15 and 1, Samuel commands Saul to pay close attention to the instruction that's given to him by the Lord. This was not a war for plunder. 
everything had to be destroyed. Amalek was to be blotted out. Verse 3 is very specific in its, in its instructions and makes clear what God intends. Spare them not. No prisoners. Slay both man and woman, infant, suckling, ox, sheep, camel and ass. No survivors. So Saul begins his campaign against Amalek. And in direct violation to the instructions he's given, Saul and the people spare Agag the king, along with the best of the livestock and all that is good. Everything else is utterly destroyed. Again, Samuel is sent by the Lord to confront Saul about his disobedience. Saul responds and justifies his partial obedience to the word of the Lord. Everything is destroyed as we were commanded. Only King Agag, Agag, Agag sorry, remains of the people and the best of the livestock and the chief things were kept to sacrifice unto the Lord. But the Lord had revealed to Samuel what he'd found in Saul's heart. Rebellion and stubbornness. Samuel declared that because Saul had rejected the word of the Lord, the Lord has, had also rejected him from being king. Again, Saul's response was, sorry, not sorry. He said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. Yeah, okay, I got that. Because, But I feared the people, and I obeyed their voice. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. Yes, Saul acknowledged that he had done something wrong, but all he was interested in is how he looked before the people. Sorry, not sorry. 1 Samuel 15 and 30, Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. He needed for Samuel to come with him to worship so that he could say face before the people. His request for pardon was not from regret or remorse for what he had done, but it was to appease Samuel into accompanying him to the sacrifice. His worship would be for the benefit of the people. And it was important that Samuel stood beside him to make it look legitimate. It's interesting to note that even though Samuel went with him, Samuel did not participate in the worship. The scripture tells us that Saul worshipped the Lord. Sorry, not sorry. Had Saul feared God more than he had feared the people, his dynasty would have been established forever. Instead of seeking the approval of God, Saul sought the approval of man and in doing so had forsaken God. He had rejected the word of God and now God had rejected him from being king and had forsaken him. Saul's rejection of God removed the voice of Samuel from his life and Samuel no longer came to see Saul. And in 1 Samuel sixteen fourteen, it tells us that the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit was sent by the Lord to accompany him. So Saul lived the rest of his life lost and tormented, hanging on to something that wasn't his, at, wasn't his or because he refused to repent. Sorry, not sorry. True repentance brings forth change and a desire to make things right with God and those we've wronged. Repentance repairs the relationship with God that our sin has damaged. It accepts the immediate consequences while eliminating the eternal one. 
David penned the words of Psalm 51 after Nathan the prophet had confronted him of his sin. Verses 3 to 12 read, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. David had taken another man's wife and she had become pregnant. And to cover his sin, he arranged for her husband to be killed in battle so that he could take her as his wife. His, his repentance for his sin not only acknowledges that he sinned, but it is in full regret and with a heartfelt desire to change. David sought the Lord for forgiveness. He was truly sorry for his transgression against God and God forgave his sin. David is mentioned in the lineage of Jesus Christ and his son, who reigned after, Solomon, who reigned after him, was also the son of Bathsheba. We're not told that Zacchaeus, the tax collector, repented, but we know that after an encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus desired to change the direction in which his life was going. He confessed his sin and desired to make things right with those that he had wronged. Luke 19 and 8, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And, I, if, I, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. This is not the actions of a man who is sorry, not sorry, but the, the actions of a man desiring to be in right relationship with God. And Jesus responded to Zacchaeus and said, This day is salvation come to this house. Repentance brings salvation. And salvation begins with repentance. When the knowledge of our sin makes us sorry towards God, it will work repentance to salvation in us. It will bring about a change of direction in our life. We will desire to do whatever it costs to make it right with God. We will do anything. We will go anywhere. We will give up whatever he wants us to give up. We will even accept the immediate consequences of our sin, knowing that the eternal consequences are taken care of. We will willingly submit ourselves to the word of God to bring about that change of heart, mind, purpose and lifestyle. We're not boastful of what we were, but we're thankful that it's under the blood. The sorrow of the world worketh death. Sorry, not sorry. You can feel regret or remorse and acknowledge sin, yet have no desire to change. Sorry, not sorry. You can, you can acknowledge you have sinned and have no remorse or regret. Sorry, not sorry. You can feel sorry for the mess that sin has created in your life, yet continue in your sin. Sorry, not sorry. And you can feel regret and remorse for wrongdoing, yet refuse to surrender to God and repent. Sorry, not sorry. The Lord knows if you are truly sorry, 
or if you are sorry, not sorry. He searches the heart and understands or discerns all the imaginations of the thoughts that you have. The time will come when unrepentant sin will turn into bitter tears of regret. It will be too late to change the direction of one's life, too late to make it right with God. Ecclesiastes 11 and 3 says, If the clouds be full of rain, they will empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. It is inevitable that when the clouds are full of rain, it will rain. And if a tree falls toward a certain direction, where it falls, that's where it lays. Once it's fallen, it can't change direction. In the same way, it's, in, it's in, sorry, inevitable, I'll get it out eventually, that the direction your life is going in, whether towards the north or the south, when you pass from this life, it will determine your eternal destination. And once you're there, you cannot change direction. You cannot go back. Sorry, not sorry, may not seem to have drastic implications in this life. But beyond this life, the consequences of sorry, not sorry, are real and eternal. Banished from the presence of God forever like Cain. Overwhelmed with regret and remorse and never able to find that place of repentance like Esau. The kingdom rent from your grasp with torments night and day like Saul forever and ever and ever. Sisters, then can you come? But today, if you would seek God in repentance, he will be found of thee. Desire to know him and to serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. Allow him to search your heart and discern all the imaginations of your thoughts. Be transparent in the presence of God. Nothing is hidden from him. While it is said today, if you would hear the voice of God, harden not your hearts. Like David asked for a clean heart and a right spirit. Like Zacchaeus, make things right with those you've hurt and offended, including God. Ask that the sorrow of the world be removed and replaced with a godly sorrow that works repentance unto salvation. If you seek him, he will be found of you. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack. Concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but his long suffering towards us, to us, Lord, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why don't you stand tonight? Do not be found with a spirit of sorry, not sorry, lodged in your heart. 
sorry, not sorry, will be rejected, oh God. You will be cast away from Him. Today is the day of salvation. Today you have the opportunity to come and be found with a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. That's the sort of heart that God will not despise. I want to ask you to come tonight. Come to this altar if you want a heart of repentance. A heart that will make it right with God. Not sorry, not sorry. The Lord sees through that this evening. 